Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rota Rapport podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back to bring you delightful news that Sunderland won another game. Yes, we managed somehow, right at the death, to nab a 1-0 victory over Gillingham at the Stadium of Light uh, on Saturday. And joining me to talk about it is Phil West. Hi Phil. Hi Gav, how are you doing? Not bad mate. And I'm also joined by Martin Wanless. Hello Martin. Hello, good evening, good morning. Good, yeah, good morning to me. Don't know what it is where you are, but yeah, we are we are assembled just to talk about Sunderland again. I guess it's been a while. I feel a bit rusty. We haven't done a podcast in weeks, like on a Sunday, obviously because we haven't had a game. But there was nothing rusty necessarily about Sunderland's performance. In my view, I thought we played okay. It wasn't like previous games where Sunderland have you know struggled to put chances away. We just didn't create chances really. But subs paid off once again. I think all three of them played their part in the goal. It was a cracking ball in from Elliot Embleton to meet the head of Nathan Broadhead back after a number of weeks out with another injury. Let's just pray he can stay fit. But overall, I'll come to you first, Phil. Overall, happy with that? Or, you know, because it seems to have split a lot of people. It's a similar theme from previous games under Alex Neal, whereby we've managed to just about scrape the victory. Um, And some people are still concerned by that. Others, and I put myself in that camp, don't really care as long as we win the game. Where are you yeah. on that? I'm probably in the latter camp, to be honest with you, Gav. I agree. I thought the performance was actually really, really good. It was positive on the front foot from the first whistle, at home, as we always should be. I thought there was lots of good build-up there, good link-up. Um, I thought Roberts and Pritchard were really, really good. Pritchard back in the team after an injury day off looked really sharp. You know, His passing was crisp, his movement was good. As you said, the, the only problem was a lack of cutting edge up front. It wasn't Ross Stewart's day in front of goal. You know, plenty of good. You know, plenty of good play in midfield and bringing the ball out from defence, etc., etc. We didn't hoof it as much, which was encouraging to see. But it was just a bit of a lack of cutting edge and a lack of ruthlessness, really. But overall, I thought the performance was really, really good. Gillingham obviously tried to spoil the game with a variety of different tactics. You know, when you're time wasting on throw-ins with ten minutes played, you're not in the game, really. You know, you know what the opposition are doing in that situation. Um, and I think patience was the name of the game for us yesterday. So no, I, th- I thought that it was. I thought the performance itself was really, really encouraging. Didn't get a reward in terms of goal score, but you only need one. And what a ball that was from Embleton for Broadhead. So yeah, I was happy with it, Gav. I have to be honest. What about you, Martin? Where do you fall with it? I'm kind of in a similar position. I think you know I've I've heard people say it was a terrible performance and a, a terrible display, and I just don't see it at all. I thought we played well. I thought we controlled the game completely from start to finish. We were up against a team, as you know, as you said, who 
purely come to try to defend and had absolutely no interest in, in trying to score against, a goal against us unless we scored against them. And look, I think there's, it wasn't the perfect performance, was it? There was things that we could improve on and things that we, you know, undoubtedly we will improve on over the, the coming weeks. But I think overall, in terms of the way the side was set up, the structure, the defensive side of it, we never looked in any bother. And, you know, thank goodness we got the goal, but you can't say we didn't deserve it. And it doesn't matter if you score in the first minute or the last minute. As long as you get that goal, it's all, it all counts, doesn't it? So look, I'm, I'm really quite comfortable with the, the way that we played and happy with the way that we played. So I think it actually really sets us up well for the last um, six games of the, the proper season, hopefully three after that. You're right, it does. And I think that the last three home performances in particular have all been very similar in that the teams have come purely to play. Like the t- I mean, it's anti-football really, isn't it? And I, I, on one, In one sense, I don't blame them for trying it. Because, you know, you match the two teams up and Sunderland obviously have the better players. It's a big, big occasion for the for the away side more often than not. There's a lot of fans there, so they, they do treat it differently. But on the other hand, I mean, if I was the Gillingham manager, for instance, and I know it took a last-minute injury time goal to win the game, but I would have looked at the, the home wins for, for us against Crewe and Fleetwood and thought, well, they turned up trying to play like um, MK Dons had in February and it didn't work. You know, so you might have to try and vary it a little bit, and I just it, it it's starting to really grate on us, and it makes us just want to get out of this league even more. I'm sick of playing against teams who treat Sunderland differently, um, and I think the way we actually set up probably suits us in a higher league. And some people might laugh at that, but I I think it does. I think you know you look at the way, particularly in the first half, we moved the ball around, and I think it was you, Phil, who mentioned. Pritchard and and Roberts linking up and O'Neill was involved in that as well. A lot of the play came down the right hand side, and even though Gillingham were camped on the edge of the box and to their credit defended really really well, I thought that we as a team did very well at moving the ball. We didn't lose it a lot, you know. Gillingham, yeah. even though they were trying to press, they were they weren't pressing high, but they were pressing us. Um, we we did a good job knocking it around them, and um, I think. We've obviously learned from the Fleetwood and Crew games in that when teams come to us, we know how to play. And I think Alex Neal mentioned that in his post-match comments. He said that they'd worked all week knowing exactly how Gillingham were going to come and play. Um, and yeah. that was, you know, part of it was they're going to sit and camp on the edge of their box and we've just got to stick to our stick to our guns, basically, and our philosophy and keep playing good football, keep moving it side to side. Uh, but he also said, Martin, that... Um, a big part of it was they looked at the the height and the strength in their team, and that was a, a you know his team selection. That's why he brought in Danny Bart. It was a lot more um, experience looking the Sunderland team at the weekend, and a lot of people when they seen it, I think in one mind they were like, "Oh, it looks all right," and then the other mind they were like, "Oh God, Corey Evans is playing." You know, somebody who a lot of fans don't have a lot of time for me included. I think he's been poor this season, but he he actually did okay, and I think Danny Bart did okay. I think their big striker didn't get a sniff off him so it's shown that you know everyone's improving around about the same time aren't they they are the, t- the team selection was interesting because obviously on the site every game before the the match we try to predict what the side's going to be and it's it's often a, a very hard thing to to do but i think you, you've you've seen signs of you know throughout alex neil's um time here that he does prefer experience you know, he he's took people like Trey Hume and Jay Matetti and people like Dan Neal out, out of the team. And yes, there's, there's cause in, in Dan Neal's case for a bit of a rest. But I think he, he does prefer to rely on experience. And 
I was reading I was reading something last week, and I think it was from Sam Allardyce, and he said, you know, when he when he needs results, he always goes with the experienced players, always goes with the players he can trust, um, who've done, been there and done it and can handle the, the pressure. And I think that's the way Alex Neal's going. I think um, Bath played well on his comeback. And look, he he was a player who, we when we signed him, everybody was really positive about. Um, and he had a great debut. And, you know, in terms of that championship experience, solid centre-half who can do the dirty side of it, we, we all thought that's what the squad needed. And unfortunately, he suffered from injuries. He had a nightmare at Bolton and scored a fantastically good own goal. Um, but he came back in yesterday, and I thought he was he was rock solid. And you know, I think in terms of like the perception that people have of the game yesterday on the game on Saturday, you look at the league table and you look at Gillingham and you know the shipped seven, I think, at home to Oxford, didn't they? Not too long ago, and you kind of think, well, we should be we should be stuffing these the crap. But you know, you listen to the pod that we did um, before the game with the the Gillingham fan. You read this, the interviews with the Gillingham fans on, on the website. And yesterday was exactly how they said Gillingham would play. Said yeah. Neil Harris has come in, really showed up the defence, changed the the, um, the formation to be more solid, really hard to beat. They're going to come for a nil-nil and hopefully try to grab a goal. And it, it played out mm-hmm. exactly how I thought the game was going to... They obviously would love to get a goal a bit earlier and open them up and, and hopefully get a, a, a goal or two more, wouldn't you? But like, there's, it was no surprise how it all played out yesterday to me. And I think, you know, no. the, the team selection that we, we had in. And I think Corey Evans has actually done all right in the last couple of games. I thought he was good at Lincoln. I would agree. I yeah, was, and was can yesterday. I just add in on that as well? It, it, he got booed when his name was read out before the game. It wasn't a lot of booing, but I heard it. It was loud enough to hear. It's shit that, like, sorry. It doesn't matter how bad he is, you know. He's not playing bad on purpose, is he? He's, yeah. he's, mm. it just, he's had some bad games, you know. We all know that. I would have took him out of the team as well. Um, but I agree with you, Martin. The last couple of games he's played well. I just think it's, and I, I know it's a minority of people, but shouldn't be booing your own players, especially at home, man. Come on, especially yeah. at home before the game started. Yeah, it was it was crap. It was loud enough. It was loud enough to to for us to take notice. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it, and it's it's naff, and I hope that's knocked on the head, and hopefully you know, um, he's he's went some way to to um. Con the doubters down, I guess, in the last couple of games, because you're right, he's, he's played all right. He should have scored, though, shouldn't he? Well, yeah, <laughs> quite. I mean, he actually set that move away, though. It was a nice ball over the top to Broadhead. Um, and that's something we've really missed, mind. Broadhead is so quick and direct. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that run he made to to get on the end of it was fantastic. He puts it back across, Evan puts it over the bar. Um, the keeper was miles off his line. I think that's why Evans has tried to side foot it, trying to place it round him rather than going for power. Um, yeah. But he is a defensive midfielder who scored about three goals in his career. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's to be expected. And probably hasn't got a lot of confidence at the minute as a player. Um, but, you know, other than that, though, Phil, we didn't really do much else, did we? I think we, we hit the bar through Luke O'Neill, um, yeah. which would have been a fantastic goal. It was well improvised header, sort of used the back of his head. Crashed yeah. off the crossbar, um. But like I, I said at the top of the show, we didn't create a great deal despite, you know, having all of the ball. I would. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the stats, and and Ale- even Alex, yeah, even Alex Neil referenced them after the game. Oh, we had uh, 80 percent possession. I mean, let's Gillingham. You 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 said that they came to spoil the game, Phil. And I think that's bang on. They never had a single shot on target. They had twenty yeah. percent of the ball. 
They played 155 passes, of which only 36% were successful. So that's around yeah. 50 passes, successful passes across 90 minutes. Um, yeah. They had they had three yellow cards in the first half. Um, you know, you were right. The time wasting was horrendous. I mean, we've seen some bad time wasting at the stadium like this season, but that was probably the worst it's been, in my opinion, particularly with the throw-ins, the amount of it people going good. down. I mean, yeah. some there was someone down on 75 minutes with cramp. You know, why do you, yeah. why do you think teams do you think this goes on at other clubs? I don't know if it does. Do you think other teams like Rotherham and Wigan get trapped like this? Because I don't. No, I think that I mean personally, Gav, I've got no problem with the, with with teams coming to the stadium and like and playing like that because for them it's probably their cup final. You know, it's 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 a it's probably the biggest stadium that a lot of these lads have ever played in. Probably the most intimidating atmosphere a lot of these lads have ever played in. And I think they are sent out there with instructions to you know bought the back door, you know, and get out of dodge with the point if possible. You know, that's just the way they set up. So, but if I can just pick up on Martin's point from earlier about Danny Barton, I thought yesterday was a really good performance for him. And it was interesting because with Barton right yesterday, we were able to field that kind of combination of two rugged, gnarled centre-backs that I think we've been looking for for quite some time. If you think about this season, we've always had, it, it, we've, we've tried to kind of mix and match with the central defensive partnership. And I think yesterday what you had two players who were cut from quite a similar type of cloth, both big strapping lads who will mop up, who will do the nuts and bolts, keep things tight, and I thought it worked really well. But, not, you know, as, as, as we said earlier, I, I have no problem with teams. It's not particularly pretty to watch when teams come and, and basically shut up shop and try and play for a draw. But I think Alex Neal will be the first to admit that it's our job to pick the lock with someone like Pritchard, for example, find that killer pass, work out how to beat them yourself on the pitch, and try and solve those problems. They're not going to make it easy for you, and nor should they. You know, it's their right to do so. You know, they're not going to come there be expansive. That was played through, and that's not the way they're going to play. So, no, it was it, it was particularly noticeable yesterday. And I think some of the tactics Gillian used were kind of gloriously over the top in many ways. But we found a way through them, and that's all that matters, really. What do you make of Pritchard coming back, Martin? He, I thought he played really well. I know um, he didn't get the full game, but it was nice to see him back in the team, wasn't it? I think. There was there was a bit of a hole in the midfield when he came off. I felt there was just that, <clears throat> you know, he'd done a really good job of being that link up man, that num- proper number ten really, who sort of drifts side to side, passes the ball, lays it off. Um, I think Phil mentioned yeah before that he linked up really well with, with Roberts. Nice to see him back, isn't it? And hopefully, fingers crossed, he can stay fit because, in my opinion, when he's in full flow, he's our best player. Oh, he's. He's by far our most creative player, and I think you can tell he, you know, he he should be playing at a higher level. And he's obviously a player who's just playing in League One because he's had a rough um, couple of years at the the teams he's been at. But like for somebody who I think is is relatively prone to injury or quite delicate in terms of his his fitness, I think he he came back really really well. And I think when he he came off against Charlton, we would have all settled for him to be back starting a game in. Or three weeks later, four weeks later, because everybody feared, I certainly feared that he was going to be out for the season. So we get him back, and I thought, look, he, I think he's integral to how we play. I think he links up the the midfield. Look, with Evans no nine playing there, it's probably a little bit more of a defensive um, setup in mid- midfield than we've had before. So he becomes even more important. And I'm just glad he he got back into the team playing centrally because Alex Neil played him out wide for the first few games he he was here, and I think he he sort of deployed him there at Norwich as well. And I don't think he you get anywhere near the best out of him by having him in, in mm. wide areas. So to have him in that number 10 role where he's got a bit of a free reign to to go about wherever he wants, his work off the ball I think is really underrated because he does a tremendous amount of, sort of that leg work off, off the ball, doesn't he? And he, 
he get, really gets into the, the opposition and chases and harries and harasses them. So to have him back's great. And look, him and Broadhead coming back, you know, again, if, if God, God willing, they both keep the fitness for the rest of the season, they are absolutely crucial to, to where we finish because they are both two players who are championship quality, if not potentially higher. Yeah, and it shows, especially when you're playing some of these poorer teams at home. They just can't get near him. Or Roberts, for that matter. I thought Patrick Roberts was brilliant, playing yeah. off the right wing. I mean, I lost count of the amount of times he just drifted from the touchline on the right-hand side right across to the edge of the box. Um, Gillingham did a good job, actually, of stopping him from shooting. But I think there, there are some teams where if he gets that amount of space to run and cut inside, he's going to score goals. Um, and it, it was nice to see him and Pritchard on the same wavelength. I, I don't think you... You get many players at this level who are that technically good. Um, we certainly we've been here four years now, and I, I I could probably count on one hand the amount of players we've had who who are good enough to play with the ball in in small areas. Um, and for me, keeping keeping obviously keeping Pritchard fit, getting Broadhead into the team, um, and keeping Roberts fit are are all important. But it's how that works with Ross Stewart, isn't it? I think. Someone mentioned it before. That's probably, I would say that's probably the worst I've seen Stuart play this season. And I, I don't think it was all his fault. He didn't get a great deal of service, but it just wasn't happening when it was coming into him. Um, and this is something we saw when Broadhead came back from injury the first time earlier in the season, where him and Stuart were paired up front. Stuart had been on a great run of scoring goals. We put Broadhead and Stuart up front, and Broadhead was the one scoring the goals, and Stuart was off the boil a bit. And then when Broadhead picked up, I think it was the hamstring injury the first time, um, Ross Stewart started scoring again. So we've got that conundrum now, Phil, haven't we, where we, we've got to try and work out where all these players fit. In my yeah. mind, it's, it's difficult to work out where you get Pritchard, Pritchard, Broadhead, Stewart, Roberts all on the pitch at the same time without yeah. maybe compromising something, which makes me think that you're going to probably see um, an Evans and and uh, O'Neill and central midfield pair until the end of the season if they stay fit because they, they do sit in and he, he seems yeah. to like that doesn't he? he likes he likes the two central midfielders to sit in he likes the full backs not to get too far forward you know, Winchester didn't really get that get into the final third of the pitch yesterday um, so it's interesting how that's going to work isn't it and how how he's going yeah. to manage to get them all on the pitch and firing at the same time yeah, I think I think with Neil, I think he, what he likes is he likes a disciplined formation. I think he likes his players to know their roles. Um, I think within that system, he does give them some flexibility and some freedom to to play as they see it. Um, but I think you know if we're talking about Pritchard, who is an absolutely wonderful footballer for this level. I mean, I think we mentioned it yesterday in our group chat. He is so far above even some of his teammates in terms of technical quality and 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 you know his ability to see space and pick passes. So. You, you have, for me, you have to let him have that free role. You have to let him play in that number 10, that central role. Let him pick the ball up. Let him drift. Let him find passes. And then you work out how you get the best out of the others. And I think it, I think you're right, Gav. I think what you've said is I think that will require a great deal of defensive discipline. From If he does if he does stick with O'Neill and um, Evans as his two starters. Um, that'll, but also we've got Jay Matete as well who could do that role as well because he's got a lot of energy. He wins the ball. He breaks the play up. So we have got options, but... It, it, you're absolutely right. It's how we fit them into our best eleven, and how we get them all on the same wave. Then, so I think that I think that Neil is getting there. I think he is starting to work out exactly where he's who his best formation is, who 
fitting where in that system. Um, and I think yesterday there were some really encouraging signs. But with with someone like Pritchard and Roberts, for example, what I really like about those two lads is they don't seem burdened by the pressure of playing for our football club. You know, their mm. mentality is really, mm. really impressive. They've embraced the challenge of being a Sutherland player and picking up the baton of trying to get us promoted. And Pritchard's been that way ever since he arrived. Roberts has shown some encouraging signs. And I think that's really positive as well. So plenty of attacking options, but we've just got to get them all on the same wavelength. Yeah, and the, you look at the team that played yesterday, we're talking about experience. It was an experience lineup, as we've mentioned, um, but I, I, don't, I don't want to dig players out, especially not young players. But Jack Clark, for me, I don't know about you, Martin, but I'm just not getting it at the minute. I, I don't know. I think he's the type of player you might want to bring on towards the end of a game when you when you need a goal rather than starting them because you saw so much good play down that right-hand side from Roberts and Pritchard. And then every time it went out to the left, I don't know whether him and Sirkin really work together because Sirkin's not really like an overlapping fullback. So, you know, it doesn't allow Clark as much room to cut inside. And Clark is very right-footed. He doesn't want to use his left foot at all. So everything seems to be, you know, everything he does is a purpose to, to get onto his right foot, which often slows us down. It it stops the attacks as quickly. We're not getting balls into the box quick enough. Um, I don't know where you stand on that, but, I think we've got a little bit of a conundrum there and that might feed into how he fits Broadhead in the team because for me, if if we're picking the team for next weekend at Oxford, I'm not sure I would start with Jack Clark. It's, there's a few things to, to pick out there, isn't there? So I think like that, the one-footedness of both Roberts and Clark on the wings and both of them were kind of playing on, it's the right side for them, it's both the positions that they prefer yeah. to play, but it's the wrong side in terms of the, the feet, isn't it? So... They yeah. neither of them liked to go to the byline and whip across in. Both of them were coming inside and it, it congested the pitch an awful lot and kind of played in Gillingham's hands to an extent. Now I was a little bit surprised we didn't try to just mix that up a bit um at some points in, in the game because I thought, you know, potentially we could have done that to, just to try something different. I sent me mate when we were watching it, I would have swapped them over at some point just yeah. to see what that was just like. For Ten minutes. Yeah. Just to give him an, and as you said earlier as well, like in, in terms of the fullbacks pushing up, Alex Neal likes to keep his fullbacks a little bit more defensive than, than Lee Johnson probably did. So you haven't got that option of the fullback overlapping to to create that width. So there's an issue there that um, Alex Neal will, you know, it's, it's obviously easily identifiable. We've just identified it. Um, so hopefully yeah. that'll be resolved at, at some point because I think that's where we could have done something different, which probably would have benefited the. The game yesterday. Um, in terms of what we do, say for next week, like I, I like Clark. He didn't have a good game yesterday, but I think he's got a lot, an awful lot of talent, um, and he's got the ability to, you know, ping one in the top corner from twenty-five yards, like he did a couple of weeks ago. But you know, Alex Neal's spoken about taking each game as it comes and picking teams for the next opposition and not letting the. He said, you know, I'm not going to let the, the game today dictate or influence the team selection for Oxford. It's going to be based on you know, the best team to, to play against the way Oxford play. So I suspect we'll probably see a, a slightly more defensive selection, you know, whether somebody like Lyndon Gooch comes into the, the equation on, on one side from, from the start and you keep um, Clark on the bench to bring on. But I think what will happen is Broadhead will come onto that left-hand side um, position instead of Clark. Um, yeah. Neil had said that, you know, if, if Broadhead had been fit to start yesterday, he would have. So I think, you know, as soon as Broadhead says I'm fit to play from the beginning of the game he's going to be in the team and I suspect that'll be on the left hand side and you'll potentially then you know as we've we kind of just said it's not an ideal situation but potentially kind of 
plays around with Pritchard having having spells of the game out there and Broadhead going straight through the middle with Stewart and it gives you the ability to mix it up a little bit more. Yeah, I was since we're moving into the sort of Oxford chat, I was looking because um, they played not so long ago that well, it was only what fortnight ago they played Ipswich at home, which I would say is a similar type of game in terms of Ipswich pushing for the playoffs, decent team. So I think Oxford probably will treat Sunderland in a similar way to the way they treated uh, Ipswich as the as in that particular game. Um, and Oxford seemed to favour a, a five at the back, which might suit us in this instance because I'm talking about how you get um Broadhead in the team. You've just said there might be slightly more defensive with with Gooch coming in, and I can I can see him picking maybe a, matching them up and going five at the back, putting Winchester at um centre half, which he's done quite a bit, playing with Gooch at wing back, which he basically did when he came on a, at the weekend. Yeah. Um and did okay actually and I think you've just made a good point before there about how because Roberts and Clark always cut inside um it it gets a little bit congested then all of a sudden you had Gooch out there um again not not his biggest fan and I, I shouldn't have to mention that all the time but you know I'm not and um he came on and actually did okay got some good crosses into the box and that's because he he's very right footed but he was out on the right hand side so it worked. Um, and I can see us doing that maybe against Oxford. I can see us dropping Winchester in at the back, bringing Gucci in at wing back. Um, Circon will obviously play on the other side, which would mean that Clark will come out the team um, and possibly Roberts. And then he might go with, with two up front with Broadhead, Stuart and Pritchard just in the pocket in behind. Um, I don't know what you think, Phil, in terms of team selection, what he should do. Would you say that, you know, matching them up is probably the best way to go or do we look at you know the last few results where we haven't actually played anybody on our sort of I wouldn't say on our level but they've all been poor teams who are struggling so we've we've set up in a way where you would expect us to dominate the ball and, and yeah. not get beat um but, but for instance we went away to Wigan didn't we and we we played four at the back so it's interesting isn't it how he's going to approach this game will he go with a yeah. five or will he go with a four yeah, it's a good point. And I think Neil is very much a game-to-game type manager. I don't think he wants to look too far down the track. I think, you know, as Martin said, it is it is very much, you know, um, however the opposition set up, and we'll, we'll set ourselves up to, to best try and neutralise that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Lyndon Gooch does come back into the equation. I think Neil values his work rate um, and his work off the ball as well because he is a player who will, you know, put the hard yards in. Um, I know he can frustrate people and he's frustrated me on countless occasions with, the, you know, with these crossing and... Often you'll get the ball in a promising position, and you'll take a split second too long, and the play will break down. But I think against Oxford, I think that I think the um, the order of the day will be very much playing a structured game, playing a solid game, playing a game where everybody knows their role, um, and not allowing yourselves to get kind of too open and too expansive. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, Gav, if because as you said, Winchester can play in in, in the centre of defence. He's done it as a, reasonably well. Um, he is adaptable like that. Um, I think Dennis Serkin is an interesting one because he looked a bit, I wouldn't say he looked off the pace, but he looked a bit kind of caught in two minds yesterday as to, where, as, as to what he was supposed to be doing. And I think Serkin's been on an upward curve in recent weeks. I think he's looked quite good. Um, and I think that I think if you go to a five, I think that probably suits him a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it suits his game a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do think it is, it is possible. And I think that, you know, I think the, the, Neil always wants to make sure that you don't get beat first and foremost. That'll be the main thing when we go down to Oxford. Whatever we do, we do not get beat in this game. If we pick a draw, okay. If we win, even better. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if there were changes made. 
Yeah, I was just looking earlier as well, Martin. We 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 briefly talked about Ross Stewart before. He hasn't scored in open play now for seven games, which I didn't realise until I looked that up. He got two penalties against Wigan, obviously. Um, he scored that last minute equaliser at Burton, and that's the last time he scored from open play. So what do we do there then? Because there was a couple of people yesterday saying, you know, at the minute they might actually prefer Broadhead to start up front and take Stuart out the, out the firing line a little bit, like he has done with other players. Is that even a shout to take the top scorer out of the team? even for a game or two with such a busy potential run coming. I mean, we've got, what, six games left, and then if we do well in the playoffs, there's another three. We need him We need him sharp, don't we? So do you think that's even coming into consideration at the minute? It's, it's an interesting one. I hadn't really thought about it before. Um, there was a rumour um, in midweek, obviously, he, he didn't play for Scotland, did he, in, in the second no. game that they had when he was expected to. And there was... Talk that he might have had a, a bit of an injury that um, he'd been carrying, and you know the club wanted to make sure that he didn't make that worse by by playing in midweek. So maybe there is something that he's he's carrying a knock. Um, you yeah. know, I think you can you can look at his his lack of goals from open play in a couple of ways, can't you? Like, but bar bar a great save from the Lincoln keeper, he would have scored late on in that game. So you know, it's not yeah. as if he hasn't been getting chances. And I think what you you know with Ross Stewart is he will get goals. Like He will score goals between now and the end of the season. Um, yeah. Whether, you know, and it, actually, you kind of go, well, how do you get Broadhead into the team? You know, it, it could be a shout to, to leave Stewart out and just give him a, a game or two on, on the bench and put Broadhead through the middle by himself. Um, because I don't actually think it would weaken the team um, on a on a game-by-game basis over the next couple of games. Um, if you've got somebody like Broadhead to to come in, the the risk is obviously we've, as we've seen over this season, Broadhead's got hamstrings that are made of plasticine, seemingly. So he's um, he can't be guaranteed to to stay fit, can he? So it's good. Yeah. It's an interesting one. But you know, as as mad as it sounds, it could be it could be beneficial just to give him a a rest and make sure that he is absolutely fighting fit for the last few games of the season, but it would be a brave manager and a big call to, to leave out <laughs> your, the division's top goal scorer, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, you, when you look at it, though, we've got six games in, what, four weeks? Something like yeah. that. So it, there's not a lot of time between the games, so the players are going to be getting pushed to their limit anyways. You know, we've got Oxford on Saturday. We then follow that up six days later with the game on Good Friday, and then it just it seems to be like a, a, a ball rolling down a hill from that point because... We've got the Shrewsbury game on Good Friday, like I just said. Then on Easter Monday, we play Plymouth away, which is a long old trek. Then we come back up five days later to play Cambridge on the Saturday. Um, then we have a midweek game with Rotherham, which won't be be easy. And then we have an away game just four days after that against Morecambe. And then obviously the playoffs, I don't think you get a big break, do you? You maybe get a week or so before the yeah, playoffs start. So yeah. it, it, you, we've talked about it already today, Phil, about how Alex Neal picks his game, his team game by game, um, but the squad's gonna have to be used, isn't it? When you look at the, fi- he's gonna have to look at the fixtures now. I know he keeps saying one game at a time. Obviously, Oxford is his focus, but when you look after that, we have a bit of a buffer between Oxford and Plymouth with the Shrewsbury game at home. That Shrewsbury aren't a bad side by any stretch. They've actually picked up some really good results recently, um, but you 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 look at that game, don't you, and think, well, that should be three points. 
yeah. that might be the the game where he looks at his team and thinks, right, do I need to maybe just take one or two of these guys out to make sure that they're good for which is what's going to be a huge game against Plymouth. Yeah, I mean that's the balancing act, isn't it? You know, it's, it's well, you know, if I was Alex Nade, I'm thinking, right, well, do I take them out of the firing line now? Maybe sacrifice a win or two or potentially a goal threat and then you know hope that we can get into the playoffs and then bring those guys back in for the playoffs so I think it's a bit of a balance act what I would say Gav regarding the squad is that is that I think the one the best thing that Alex Neal has done since he's been at this since he's been in the job is he's toughened us up psychologically and we're going to have to dip into those reserves between now and the end of the season without any question of doubt it's going to be as much a test of our mental resilience as it is our physical resilience um, as you said the games are going to be coming thick and fast We've got a long trek away to Plymouth. It's going to be bang, bang, bang. Easter, the Easter weekend is always a bit of a fraught one with the game so close. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a physical test and a mental test. I'm positive about the fact that we are looking mentally stronger and that we are grinding results out when necessary. I think that's a good sign. That's a really good thing that Alex Neal's done. I think that's been his biggest impact. Um, but, yeah, I think the squad depth is going to be absolutely crucial. And to that end, as we touched on earlier, having Broadhead back, having Pritchard available, having... You know, they're like you know some good midfield options in there as well. It's an absolute godsend. And I think you yeah. mentioned this in, in an article from last week. Actually, is that when fully fit, we do have an incredibly deep squad for this league. Um, and I think that's going to be tested. And I think that you know it will. Every player will be called upon at some point to play their part. And I'm confident that Alex Neal will use them as he sees fit. Yeah. All right, we'll quickly look ahead at Oxford then. Um, although we have already talked about it in bits and pieces, but Oxford Martin have. Well, they lost at the weekend against Plymouth. Um, they drew with Ipswich the game before that. They also play Tuesday night away at Morecambe, which is a bit of a trek for them. Um, is this a good time to play them? Maybe do you think? Oh, uh, who knows? I think I think it's a good time in terms of like we go there, knowing that we need to get some sort of result. As Phil said, like we can't get beat down there, and we you know to me it's no ifs or buts. We just can't get beat. Hopefully, we we win. They've got, you know, as you say, they've got Morecambe on Tuesday or Wednesday and Morecambe beat Burton 3-0 at home yesterday. So Morecambe aren't, um, aren't the bad side. So, you know, if, if they can get... They're, well, they're still fighting of, for their lives as well. That, that, well you know, exactly. you're, at that point in this, you're at that point in the season when you play, I mean, Morecambe are fourth bottom. So, you know, they, they're scrapping for their lives. They've just won a game. They're, they're, in their heads, they're thinking maybe, oh, could, could we stay up? We've still got them to play as well, by the way. But... um. Yeah, it's not it's not a nice time for them to be playing Morgan on the back of two so, bad results. Yes, yeah, so that's not a, a, an easy fixture for them. So hopefully, you know, they come into the game on Saturday with a bit of pressure on on themselves. And um, because you know, if you flip the the fixture around, if we were Oxford playing at home against a team who's a point ahead of us in the playoffs, that's a must win. And there's an yeah. enormous amount of pressure. You know, there'll be a big crowd there for. Oxford, so I think it'll be a it'll be a game that has pressure on on both sides. But as Phil says, I think you know mentally we've we've shown a lot of of toughness since Alex Neal's come in, which I think is is really really positive. And you know from a a team that when Alex Neal took over, we looked a tired team to be able to keep going till the end yesterday and to get that goal psychologically. That's that's massive because one it shows that we're, we're going to the end, but it also shows the players that we just we we'll get benefit, we will get the, the right outcome if we keep going to the end. And, you know, we, we've seen it before in promotion seasons, haven't we, with um, with Keane's team especially. Once you get one last-minute winner, and we've seen with Wigan this season, haven't we, how many last-minute winners have Wigan got? 
And it, that's the sort of thing that just gives you a bit of confidence. It seems to happen more and more once you start doing it. Yeah. It's a really good habit to to form. And it just seems to snowball. And you know, one late winner seems to attract another one in a few weeks' time. So you know, we've got that about us now. Where that game yesterday against Gillingham, that'll give us confidence right up to the last minute. And when the injury time board goes up, rather than going, oh, crap, we've only got four minutes... It'll be great. We've got four minutes. Let's go and batter them. Um, so, look, it should all stand us in good stead. And, you know, let's hope that Oxford go into that game on, on Saturday off the back of a heavy defeat at Morecambe. <laughs> a really bad coach trip on the way back down to Oxford. That causes them a sleepless night. And we'll <laughs> we'll go there full of confidence, won't we? Mm. How about you, Phil? Are you confident about that one or, or not? I mean, we talked about that right, right at the start when I mentioned sort of how people reacted to the result. Although, yeah. you look at the form since Alex Neal came in, and it's really good. Actually, we, we've lost one game, yeah. and it was the it was it was right at the start. You know, we've stopped conceding goals. We've started keeping clean sheets. Like Martin just said, we're now winning games later on, um, which you know obviously we'd all prefer. And he said this in his after match interview, Alex Neal, he would have preferred not to have waited till the ninety six minute to get a winner. Yeah. But it does show a mental resilience that seems to have formed under this guy. Are you confident? Because I am. I'm pretty confident. Yeah, I am, Gav. I mean, for some reason, Oxford, Kassam Stadium, you know, it's it's a game that over recent years, I've, for some reason, I've kind of had a bit of a a bit of a worry about. I don't know why. I'd, for some reason, I just, it just seems to be one of those games you look at and you think, oh, you know, it could be a tricky one. But we're going into it on the back, on, on a real high, because there are a few sweeter ways in football to win a game than with a last-minute winner of the kind that we scored yesterday when the clock's ticking down, it looks as if you're going to have to settle for a draw and then bang, you come up with a goal. Stadium goes wild, the players are bouncing. They'll be on a real high going at that Oxford game. I think we can use that momentum to propel us to victory on Saturday. Um, I think it will be a tough game, but I do think we're building momentum slowly. I don't think, I said a few weeks ago, we needed to be a team who kind of took strides into the playoffs rather than kind of stumbling into the playoffs as we did in 2019 last year, for example, when our form collapsed and we kind of just about got in there. I think if we can win on Saturday, I think that would give us a massive boost of momentum and it would really turn up the wick in terms of you know how how quickly we're moving forward ahead of the playoffs. So, yeah, I am confident, Gav. I think that it'll be an interesting game. I think it'll be, again, it could be a very tight game. could be one where we've got to be patient. But, yeah, I do think we'll come out on the right side of the scoreboard without a doubt. Nice one. Well, I agree. Uh, that's a good place to end it, I think. Nice bit of positivity. Cheers, men. Thank you very much for joining Cheers, me. Gav. Cheers, Everybody listening, thanks for checking us out once again. We've got plenty coming your way on RoteReport.com this week. Uh, all the reaction to the game at the weekend, plus look ahead to Oxford, all your historical stuff, your daily On This Day articles, which I think are a hidden gem on the site. We do those every day. A um, little bit of history. Um, Martin, you do quite a lot of those, so people should check that out, definitely, amongst other things. And we'll be back before the Oxford game with a preview, no doubt. So make sure you check that out too. We'll catch you later. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.